I'm Margaret Mueller, President and CEO of the Executives Club of Chicago, Chicago region's top business forum. Join me on the Executives Exchange as we go deep with some of the most successful executives from the Chicago region and unlock the keys to their success. Trust me, you're going to want to hear this. On this episode of the Executives Exchange, Mark Hoplamazian, President and CEO of Hyatt Hotels Corporation, and Robert Isom, CEO of American Airlines, sit down with guest host Phil LeBeau of CNBC. This conversation was recorded in front of a live audience on May 11, 2022. We'll hear about the ramifications of inflation on the travel industry, the return of leisure travel, and the importance of human connection in the workplace. Let's begin first off with a conversation about what you guys are seeing with the economy right now. CPI came out this morning. The core inflation hotter than expected, uh, but overall it is cooling just a little bit uh, when you look at the overall number. Um, and you guys see this firsthand in terms of the impact of inflation. Mark, we'll start first with you. What, what, what are you seeing in terms of the impact it's having and whether it's somebody booking a room, corporations, corporate travel, et cetera? Yeah. Um, first of all, I, I would just want to add to Scott's welcome. It's especially gratifying to see such a big ballroom filled with people when it's a Hyatt hotel. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> just say. Um, and and I, I explained to Phil earlier that I'm kind of like a um, you know a groupie fan of his. So it's it's kind of exciting to be on stage and and Robert and I have been so close uh, over the years. So this is just like so exciting for me. Anyway. Um, not as exciting as the topic of inflation, however. So no, let's turn well that. that. So yeah, we're seeing uh, factor costs across the board are higher. Uh, it's more severe in certain areas. Uh, right now, I would say the number one issue that's on our minds from a macroeconomic perspective is energy prices in Europe, and whether that is so severe that that leads to uh, an economic recession, and if so, when and how deep. Less concerned about recession in the U.S. because uh, I think the Energy costs here are more moderated um, for some good supply-demand reasons. Sure. Wages up across the board, right? The entire market has, has risen. Um, it's a supply-and-demand market, so it's not surprising. Uh, we still have uh, one out of every seven open job positions in, in the country right now are in the hospital, hospitality and, and leisure segment. So there are a lot of open jobs, um, and wages have continued to, to, to bump up, especially in... Uh, resort locations and so forth. Having said all that, rates are up significantly. So as I look across our business and I see the progression in ADR, average daily rates, um, they are keeping pace with the factor costs that are going okay. up. And therefore, we're seeing both higher revenues, obviously, but higher margins uh, as well. And uh, I, clearly, the sector that's leading that is leisure. Right. Um, I would say group businesses up in rate at more modest levels, and business transient travel is the last to return. And I'm sure we'll get into this. I don't want to dive into that topic, but you know there are signs of life. Let me just say that. Sure, Robert. Hey, Mark. It's good to see, good to see you in person. I know. <laughs> so wonderful. Mark and I have held each other up over these times. You couldn't pick worse businesses to be in right. during a, you know, a pandemic. Misery loved right. company, but we became very close friends. So exactly. So. But we're happy to have everybody here and, and to talk about getting back to business and then certainly flying planes and getting into hotel rooms. And look, since January and February and go, heading into March, it's been as if we were in a different year, different planet, right? So as we went into March, 
traffic really uh, exploded. And that's the same type of trend line that we see ourselves on, you know, even, even with you know, concerns about different variants in, in what's going on uh, in Europe as well. So there, of, of course, we're worried about inflationary you know, elements. 20% of Americans' operating expense is fuel. Okay, so price of fuel has doubled in the last you know, right. six months. So it's a huge expense. But in terms of the economics, as Mark said, it's supply and demand. And there's a ton of demand out there. There are, at least from the airline perspective, there are some constraints on supply. And that's allowing us to cover the cost of, of, of fuel right now. And as we look at where relative pricing is, we're still not that far from where we were in 2019. So travel is still, it's just a, it's a nice, affordable you know, endeavor for folks right now. I'm sure you guys hear this, and I hear this from people I'll, I'll come across will be like, well, this is ridiculous how much the uh, airfares are now compared to a year ago, to which I always say, look at everything compared to a year ago. <laughs> know, um, or, or to stay at a hotel. Um, and so, you've, but you've got this swell of demand that is out there. By the way, anybody who's ever approached me in the last couple of months and said this always says, yeah, but we're, we're going because we, we got to go. Right. We, we, we want to get out there. How long does that hold up in terms of that demand that is out there? I mean, obviously, everybody has a limit in terms of how much they'll pay, and we're not there yet. But how great is that backlog, if you will, of demand? So I'll, I'll start. The economy since 2019 has grown, you know, 10%. 13%, right? Airline capacity is down 10, 15%. So the economy has continued to, to, to grow. The capacity that we have to actually deploy is, is, a, is a lot less. We're not keeping pace with the, 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 the travel that's pent up and that will be to continue on in the future. A good rule of thumb, at least for airline travel, is that about 1% of GDP flows into uh, industry revenues. Uh, we're not to that relationship yet. And the GDP has, has grown significantly. So I am not concerned about uh, us outpacing uh, the type of demand that's out there in, in, in the near term for sure. And I would say right now, so to date, leisure has led the recovery in the hotel industry yeah. by far, sure. far and away. Um, we're doing a huge amount of volume with American Airlines through a new business that we bought last year, uh, Apple Leisure Group, which has the largest tour operator um, in the country called ALG Vacations. Um, we had, I think, 800,000 departed passengers from January to April, um, and American has a huge percentage of that. So we're big partners in that. Um, but that demand, so Cancun uh, air, air capacity is up 10, 11%. Um, Punta Cana in Dominican Republic is up 20. Um, and, you're, and you're actually, you've got, you're keeping, in fact, you're gaining share in Punta Cana right now. So. We're seeing just uh, tremendous demand and the, the kinds of, as we look into the second quarter, let's say, people are like, okay, the first quarter was like a blow off period, everyone has to go. Right. Second quarter is mapping out to be better than the first quarter. I mean, we're talking about significant bookings up 30% and more versus 2019 levels in our resort destinations in the second quarter. Rates are up 20-ish percent. Um, and now you look out into, say, Memorial Day, up 30% relative to bookings this time into Memorial Day from 2019. Fourth of July, up 20%. Labor Day, up 30%. So the booking curve, advanced planning, mm -hmm. is starting to lengthen out on the leisure side. 
because people are now really worried that they're not gonna actually find a place to stay. So they're booking those tickets and they're booking hotel rooms earlier and earlier. So you're starting to see the, the booking curve go out. So I would say for the foreseeable future, we see no evidence that this is the, that's gonna come off. Group business, uh, that is corporations and associations getting together, likewise is starting to really come back with a vengeance. And that's because human connection is so critical in business. Right. And all of the tech company executives who said, business travel is basically dead. Like, <laughs> we're never gonna travel, and we're not gonna get past 50% of where we were before. I actually have data in my pocket that we were talking about earlier. Uh, I've got data that demonstrates that they're wrong. Right. <laughs> their CEOs, especially Bill Gates, famously saying, oh, you know, never again will people be back on the road, just not correct. And a lot of that has to do with business, uh, with the group meetings that, that we're seeing. Would so I, I see that that also is coming back at a pace that leads me to believe that our group business will be fully recovered to pre-pandemic levels by the end of this year. And, and Phil, just from a, an overall business perspective, small and medium-sized businesses oh, throughout yeah, the country, that's true. they have far exceeded where they were in 2019. Right, right. They um, really, that's yeah, right. They, they've taken off. So what we're, we're, we're waiting on, uh, and we're seeing good signs, is yeah. you know, these larger advisory firms, financial service, services, but it's, it's, it's coming back to um, you know, every meeting that I've had on, the, on this trip, and we've, we've talked to you know, politicians in town, we've talked to big companies, you know, everybody's getting back into the office, and it's just mirroring what has happened in other parts of the country. So yeah. we're, we're catching up here And a in bit. terms of that demand, I was in your city, I want to say about two weeks ago, yeah was fortunate enough to be released from reports for the rest of the day, and so I said, well, I'm gonna get on an early flight. Gone are the days of saying, well, yeah, I'll just call and get an empty seat. And I mean, I got on a flight, but I mean, it, those days are, are gone, which is a good problem. I mean, right. that's, you're in the business to fill up the planes, and, right. and that's what you should be doing. Um, there's a question here. What are you hearing from corporate customers in terms of their return to office plans here in Chicago and elsewhere? I'll start first with you, Mark. Yeah, it's been slower in certain markets. Um, I, I would say the tech heaviest markets in the country, Seattle, San Francisco, are behind. And by the way, um, our recovery in those cities is lagging. They're the weakest markets that we've got. Chicago is actually somewhat behind too. Um, and we, we were comparing notes on this. I think Chicago is behind the curve with respect to people back in the office. Um, and so, but a lot of it has to do with the kinds of jobs that people are uh, allowing to be um, done remotely. We, we set three standards, and we'll talk more about purpose, I'm sure, at some point, but the first one was gotta get the work done, the sex, so that's the productivity side, but you can do that remotely or together. Um, the second is well-being. We've gotta make sure that we're caring for our people and their personal needs, like if they need to be home for a certain day because they're taking care right. of a parent or child or whatever. But third is community. We feel like getting back and reestablishing those ties uh, in, in the office are critical. Those, and we've said to our people leaders, you've gotta actually achieve all of that. You can't trade one off against the other. And that's the basis on which we've asked people to come back to the office. I don't know if you've got a... Well, just for, for us, you know, our, our business is all about connecting people. We have to be out, out, out on the front lines. So we've, we never, you know, took a hiatus from the, from the office. So we have 120,000 team members, 85%, you know, frontline union, you know, members that are out there every day either turning a wrench or putting bags on planes or flying planes and serving customers. So we've never taken, taken a break whatsoever. And, 
you know, for the people that I, I, I engage with, you know, talk about, you know, are you going to come back in the office? When do you come in the, in the office? Best thing I can do is, is describe about how we're allocating business right now. So American Airlines, we've had some really tough times the last couple of years, lost $20 billion over the course of two years, right? Um, yeah, $20 billion. Um, we had to do, to, to be in a position right now where American is incredibly strong and has the financial resources, we had to do some really creative things. We, we financed our uh, Advantage loyalty program for $10 billion, right? The people that, the, the companies that got that business are the ones that were actually out there, you know, coming and seeing yep. us. And, and that's the thing that I tell everybody else that has been holed up. You know what, in the rest of the country, you know, outside of some of the, the big corporate centers, if you're not out there, you know, really pushing for business right now, somebody else is. And so that's, I don't know if it's a wake up call, but for, for us, uh, but do you hear the same thing from uh, corporate customers or, or other executives you talk with that there seems to be, and I hear this, and we alluded to this in our conversation up front, there seems to be sort of that northern plateau of the, or tier of the country where the mask mandates were in place longer. And this that's is not true. a political discussion, no, but, but you know, the rules were in place right. longer than in the Sun Belt. Is that where you see a bit of a, uh, a lag, if you will, in terms of the return to work, the, the full activity that you're seeing in other parts of the country? For sure, it's been true in Chicago. After the mask mandate went away in our office, we saw a lot of people coming back. A lot of people coming back. Just the idea of it being freed up. Right. And, yeah, so it definitely had an impact. And what we can see, because we've been subject to so many regulations and restrictions, you know, everything, everything that we do is, is basically you know, approved or not by you know, the CDC sure. and Health and Human Services. But whether it was testing, whether it was you know, masking, you, you name it, we were able to see real time. As soon as a restriction is pulled down, bookings change the next day. And so the one thing that we're waiting on right now is we, we as a country, have to address this testing requirement that we have, and we're the only ones that are doing it now. They're requiring testing coming back into the United yep. States, and that is a key. We talk about international travel, and it's big from a leisure perspective, but it's really big from a business perspective. No question about it. And to, to that end, you know, if we can and when we do, and I think it should be fairly soon, we get that pulled, you're gonna see more people coming to Chicago. Yep. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor, Sure. Audio equipment for the Executives Exchange podcast is provided by Shure Incorporated. When your team is depending on you for information and motivation, you can't afford to sound anything less than clear and confident. For nearly 100 years, performers and world leaders have depended on Shure microphones. Whether you're in front of a camera or behind a podium, Shure lets you sound extraordinary. Welcome back. How has the pandemic changed how you define your customer. Do you still look at them as business versus leisure? And, and I guess this, the, the, what they're really asking here is, when I would talk with you, Robert, or with others in the airline industry, I'd say, well, how's corporate travel? How's the leisure travel? Yeah. Do you see a hybrid filtering into this now? No question about it. In fact, we were looking at the data recently, and we had an earnings call yesterday, and I mentioned on the call that we're seeing increases in occupancy on Thursday nights and Sunday nights. Two Historically, uh, well, Thursday nights were reasonably strong um, historically, but we're seeing increases, pronounced increases there and Sunday nights. And our uh, assessment is that people are starting a, uh, a trip, business trip, a little earlier, 
working, doing what the work that they need to do on the Friday, staying the weekend and extending it into, into Monday. So it's a blending mm -hmm. of a long weekend uh, with a business trip. And we believe that that will persist and grow. So yes, there's, there's blurriness. We also, at the beginning of the pandemic, actually, we, <laughs> after listening to Bill Gates, um, I, I turned to our team and I said, we need to sub-segment our, our customer base so that we understand this. So we, when we did that, we also realized that the antiquated form of defining leisure versus business in the hotel industry was if you checked in on a Friday night or a Saturday night, you were a leisure guest. Everyone else right. is a business, right. a business customer. Right. I mean, you want to talk about the most dumbed down thing you could possibly imagine. <laughs> right. um, and so we went to work and said, no, we have so much other data that helps us understand why people are traveling. And we then applied a new lens. And that new lens has been in place now for several years. So we have very good visibility into why people are traveling, but there is more blending going on. Yeah. You see the same thing? Bleasure is real. Oh, yeah. I hate that word, but it yes, is, it's it true. Is. No, well, look, I, I have a right. friend who lives in the Charlotte right. area right. and is in New York for work, right. uh, and they moved there during the pandemic, right. but they have to go back to the office. They're on their American flight, you know, whether it's, you know, every other week or every third week, but they have become a regular customer where in the past they were not going to be there. And I'm sure you're seeing a lot of that. And leisure customers have changed too. So, yeah. you know, we're seeing many, many more people, you know, just basically buy up. And whether that's, you know, premium economy or business, business class, uh, they're doing it. And they want the amenities that they used to have when they were traveling for business, even though their trips look like what we used to define as, right. as leisure. So it's from a, a yield and pricing yield yep. perspective, it, the dynamics are working working well. I, I agree with that comment too, because our luxury we've we've shifted our portfolio. So right now, forty two percent of our of our total hotel inventory is uh, leisure, uh, luxury. Luxury itself is thirty percent. Um, that's the strongest rate realization that we're seeing. Rate increases that we're seeing because the demand is so much higher. People are going on holiday, but they want a great experience sure. at a higher uh, at a higher rated hotel at a nicer hotel. Have a hometown question here. We'll start first with you, Go Mark. <laughs> Where does Chicago fit into the global operations you have at American and Hyatt? Obviously, your headquarters are here, but give some perspective in terms of the importance of Chicago. Yeah, we have a very large presence in Chicago. I'm sure that there's some historical reasons for that. But our presence in Chicago, so Hyatt is the smallest of the major branded companies by property count. Um, but I think our market share in Chicago is second. Okay. Uh, out of all the major brands. Um, we have a super large presence. We historically, we, we opened the first at convention headquarters hotel at McCormick Place, I forget when, many years ago, that's been now expanded to 1,200 rooms. The largest hotel in our entire system is this hotel, 2,100 rooms. Wow. Um, there is no bigger hotel that we have in the, in the world. Um, and, uh, and we've got uh, a large number of hotels, not just in the city of Chicago, but around Chicago. We employ... Um, Pre-pandemic, about 4,000 people at the hotel level and another 1,000 people in corporate offices. And it's not dying down. I guess maybe what they're getting at here is that business remains strong and, and your presence and what you're seeing here in Chicago is not uh, changing, so to speak. Um, changing in, in the sense that it's not diminishing. Well, well, let me put it this way. We're not changing our focus on Chicago, but Chicago's lagging. Okay. Chicago's lagging in recovery. Um, we have seen um, other cities come back more strongly. I think part of that has to do with international travel not really being opened up again. Right. 
um, fully. Uh, but um, I, I think this, this city has been so dependent on the large conventions that have come through town, and that, that is not yet back in full, right. in full motion. It's critical. Like we, that has to be a major area of focus. The CEO, the newly appointed CEO of Choose Chicago is here. Um, so Lynn, you got your, um, got your work cut out for you. Um, um, there she is. And so, yeah, we've got we've to get focused on that and make sure that that comes back. He mentioned international travel. Right. Uh, we'd have a lot more flights coming into O'Hare if things were different in, in a number of areas internationally. <laughs> yeah, no, no kidding. Well, I've, I've, got, I've got a number of things to, to talk about on that, sure. front, on that front. But, but hey, just our business generally down from capacity perspective 10%. Chicago uh, down 30%, right? So and that, that fits in over, overall. But we're going to work our way through this. Over the long run, American has so much investment in Chicago, namely out at O'Hare. So the, the rates and charges and taxes that you know, everybody hears about, American ultimately pays all those. So we have, with uh, United, uh, probably an $8, 9000000000 billion investment project going on in, in O'Hare. It's financed over a long time, but it, it's going to greatly add to expense. We have to have you know, a, a, a supply of passengers you know, to actually you know, make, uh, uh, work that cost out over. So for us, the investment hasn't, hasn't stopped. New gates, tremendous amount of investment. As the city comes back, we're going to be there. In the meantime, though, we move planes to where passengers are. That said, this summer, you know, I, I do have a little bone to pick with uh, uh, a company that has, has moved their headquarters out of Chicago um, to be named to remain nameless. Uh, I have planes. I have planes that uh, need to be delivered and that uh, are, are owed to us that would be flying in Chicago in the marketplace today this summer if they could deliver them to me. So they've got to get to their business. Uh, they're still a great partner. Uh, the, the aircraft sure. the aircraft are, are fantastic. But I, I'm short some supply, and they would fly additional international destinations. Instead of the, we'll, we'll have nine international destinations, I, I think we'd have an, another couple. You guys have been doing your jobs, your industries, for years. So you've seen good times, bad times. You've seen more than a few recessions, I'm sure. And so it brings up the question, what we're in right now, whether or not we do ultimately slide into a recession or not, how does this time compare to previous times. Does it give you a, a, a roadmap saying, okay, we've been through this kind of situation before, I think we know what to do, or is it so unusual and unique because of the pandemic, because of the inflation that we're seeing right now? How, how do you approach it? Well, I, I'm, I'm new in my job. I've only been in it a month. Well, at right, your so job, but you've been right. in the industry. You've, <laughs> right. you've been around I'm, the block a time I've or two. I've only been in it a month, and we're, and we're prospect. You know, we're looking forward to you know a, a profitable second quarter. So, you know, that that's um, a, a good sign again for the business we've been in. But you know, Phil, it for me, it's it's one of demand is going to return, and if you don't run your business with the mindset of you know, growth and prosperity, okay, look, I, I, I don't know how you, you go about it. And so for, for us at American Airlines, we were the largest airline uh, throughout the pandemic. We flew one out of every three passengers. We've had more planes, more flights, and, and the kind of connections we made were for people that were doing real stuff, not, you know, visiting, you know, grandma or grandpa. It was, you know, bone marrow couriers and power plant mechanics and stuff, and stuff like that. Frontline healthcare workers. Yeah, and frontline health, front mm -hmm. healthcare workers. So 
I know demand is going to return. American has to be there. We've made a commitment to the country based on you know, the, 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 the benefits that we've received uh, as part of the payroll support program for our team members. We're going to be there to take to the country, make sure that we're ready to get people into hotels and fill, fill city blocks. Uh, and so I have, my view hasn't changed. That business, that function, it's part of who we are, and um, we've got to be out there to serve, and we will. So I would say I agree with all of that uh, because travel is a fundamental human, satisfies a fundamental human desire to discover, to explore, and to be together. That sure. sense of community. So like Robert, I have nothing but optimism about travel in general. Having said that, about what you, the way you asked the question is interesting. Uh, neither of us, and we, we, we talked uh, a lot, very frequently when the pandemic, before the pandemic, but when the pandemic hit, we were on the phone all the time comparing notes about just understanding what this virus was all about, what we knew about it, what we didn't. Um, the, a couple of things that I would say though, first, the reason why we became such clo uh, close friends and fast friends is because the first exposure that we had to one another after we did our partnership at the loyalty level was around purpose. And our purpose as a company is to, is to care for people so they can be their best. Americans' purpose is to care for people on life's journey. Pay attention to the fact we didn't say serve in either case. We said care for. There's a huge difference between caring for someone and serving them. So what I would say is we lived through the most severe. Nothing like this ever has happened in our industry in the entire history of the industry. The same is true for airlines. His, his revenues went down by close to 100%. Ours, remember, were, yeah. ours were down 95. Um, so, you know, when your business evaporates overnight, you, you, you have to completely change your mindset and open it up to what, how you do things completely afresh. So I think that we built tremendous muscle in adaptation and agility and figuring stuff out. Um, so I think that actually will serve us well going forward. And there is not a rigid playbook, there's an agile playbook, right? We've learned how to be agile in a way that you can't possibly imagine. You've learned to adapt. You've learned to adapt at speed and in a hyper cross-functional way, and you've had to go quickly. And you just gotta get into market and keep testing and learning and testing and learning. You can't wait to make decisions, you gotta go. But I think the thing that connected us so tightly is that every conversation either started with, was about, or ended with a discussion about people. And right now, I think the epidemic that has followed the pandemic has to do with holistic mental health and mental well-being. And we see it um, a lot in our company, and we've done a lot to try to understand it more. So I would say to you, we have built all those muscles, and we have a much more elevated sensitivity to practicing empathy, making sure that we really understand what's going on with people and making sure that we can continue to care for them. I think with that as the gird, undergirding for who we are, and I can say this, I can speak on behalf of Robert because we've talked so much about it, our organizations culturally are aligned that way, which is why our partnership is so strong. But with that in place, I, this is gonna sound a little cliche, but like the resiliency level has gone up so much sure. that I have confidence that if the next version of a massive disruption, God willing, it's not something that looks like a war, um, but even if it were another pandemic, I feel much more confidence that today than I did when this thing first happened. Because when this thing first happened, I mean, my head was spinning every day, um, trying to 
figure out where, where the money was going to come from, how much we were going to be right. losing, how do you keep people employed, et cetera, et cetera. So I think we, we've come through this with tremendously higher resilience. Uh, we've got a few minutes left. If you have any questions, now's the time to, to text them. I'm going to take a couple here. Uh, one of these has to do with the, uh, the raffle of points and miles. <laughs> what do you see as the future of loyalty programs, Robert? Oh, yeah, loyalty, the Advantage Loyalty Program is the largest you know, loyalty program you know, literally in, in, in the world. And you know, for us, it's something that you know, creates not just a, a connection, but for us, it's, it's also a way that you can fly a plane and then you can also keep in touch with our brand in, in other fashion. So you know, the, the Citibank Advantage card or the, Bar the, the Barclays you know, card. Those, those kind of things become very important revenue streams because what they are saying is, hey, you know, people want to actually invest in a relationship for goods and services that aren't going to be delivered for potentially years. And so it's, it's been a way in which we can keep in great, great uh, communication and contact. And it's something that I think is, is going to be a driver in our business you know, long into the future. Fortunately, people want to travel. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's why, <clears throat> you, you know, that's why when, it's important. You know, we look at our uh, Advantage card. It's one of the you know highest producers. You know, of all Mastercard cards. Um, so I'm very, very confident that this is going to be something that people are going to be able to use and enjoy long into the future. And I think that one of the things that we we and working together with partners like American, um, we have focused on uh, providing a bait, a platform that enables our members to experience more things. So it's not just about the points program and the transactional side of it. It is really about um, opening their opportunity set up to do more things that are in the well-being space. So we've, for example, we've, we, had a, we have a unique uh, partnership with Headspace, and we've provided Headspace for all of our members mm -hmm. and all of our colleagues at the same time. Um, but many other uh, very active types of uh, engagements and experiences and I think we're together, actually, we've done some things together with American to create unique programs. And I think that is, uh, you want to talk about uh, stimulating someone's uh, creative genius and, and sort of saying, oh, my God, I've got to go do that. And I have the perfect vehicle. I've got, I've got status. I'm a concierge key member or I'm a globalist in, in Heights program, and I'm going to go. So it's, it's important, and we have to, I, we look at loyalty as a two-way street here, which is why we're spending so much time on experiences as well. Another question. CEOs need to think big picture and long term. An important part of that is sustainability. What are you doing to ensure you're operating a sustainable business? Mark? Well, um, we, uh, we set sustainability goals back in 2007 which was my first full year as CEO. And um, <clears throat> we met those goals with respect to carbon footprint and water utilization and waste stream. Um, we've just recently set science-based targets for 2030. It's about a 27, 28% in that range, 27 and a half, I think is the precise number, reduction in greenhouse gas. Um, so re reduction in carbon footprint. Um, and also still working on the waste stream. So we, we, we brought, a much more rigor into our process right now. Uh, at least one of our competitors announced that they were going to uh, a zero carbon footprint, which I find curious because our, our business, we don't own all of our hotels. In fact, we own very few of them. Uh, th that competitor owns none of theirs. So I'm, I was trying to figure out how they were- How do you get to zero? How do you do that without knowing what 
the partner relationship is. And, um, in, and in fact, a lot of companies who've made these bold predictions about getting to zero or net neutrality is, uh, carbon neutrality is, they're, they're relying on technologies that don't exist today. They're, they're thinking, uh, we'll figure it out in the future. Um, and the airline business has a really more, more uh, bigger hill to climb because, you know, last time I checked, you can't fly on an electric plane. At, at least not. Sure. Hey, not hey, shh. <laughs> well, well, Robert, uh, sustainability, we've talked a lot about it's hard. Uh, SAF it's and sustainable really airline yeah, right. aviation I, fuel. I'm just empathizing. No, I know. No, no look, but we, we consume a lot of fossil fuels. Yeah. That's, that's, that's our industry. So it's, it's front and center. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's real life. So the best things you can do is, is an airline uh, to is burn less fuel for what you're, what you're flying. And the best way to do that is, uh, number one, fly the shortest distance. So we've got to work with the government in, in terms of air traffic uh, control. Oh, yeah, this, right. This antiquated fashion of going from kind of dot to dot to dot as opposed to, you know, straight, straight lines is something. That By the way, everybody knows it needs to change within the industry. Right. I know. It's critical. It, it's, it's, <laughs> it's only but it never changes. years old. But, it, but it's, it's only 60 years old, six years old but it's, it's 60 years of, you know, really, really reli reliable and safe right. operations. Yeah. So in the investment is going to be something that is, you know, done over decades. And so we've got to have a, a government that, you know, allows us to do that. So number one is, is fly the shortest distances. Number two is burn the, the least amount of fuel, you know, every time you fly. Best way you can do that is have new engines, actually new planes. Yep. So we've, Americans invested $25 billion over the last six years in new planes. That's the next best way. And then over the long run for us to kind of get to the, you know, 2050 goals that we have of net zero emissions is to have a sustainable aviation fuel, which is basically a, a biofuel. That is being produced today. We can put that in, in our aircraft, but it's produced in such limited quantities, right. and it's at such high price that this is something like solar, like wind, like, you know. It'll need a government program it, it has, in order to, to subsidize the pricing program. of it. So we can, we, there's a vision to get there, uh, but a lot has to be done. Uh, five minutes left, and I was told, let's end with the following question. Where are you guys going for your next vacation? <laughs> Let me think about that huh? for a second. Um, I'll be staying in a Hyatt. <laughs> There's the right answer. Yeah. Uh, I'm, taking a, I'm taking a few days off uh, at the end of this month to go fishing in Idaho. Oh, that's nice. Yep. So that'll be the, my, my, my next getaway. Uh, and and, I, th I, and think, I'll be, I will be on an American flight for sure. Of course. You know, I, I think we're going to, my wife and I are going to try to go to, uh, to Wimbledon this, uh, oh, this summer. Oh, oh nice. So I haven't been, but uh, it'll, Never it'll been be It's a treat. Huh? You'll love it. So, so that's the next location. How about you, Phil? Yeah. Uh, Colorado. Great. What are you doing yeah. there? Uh, <laughs> what am I going to do? Are you hiking? A little hike. <laughs> yeah? Restaurants with my wife. All right, cool. You know, all, the, all the fun stuff. All the things you do in Colorado. Yeah. So... It'll it's be wonderful. fun. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank Both you. Hey, this but for everybody here, though, before you get up, before you, hey, the time to buy both hotels and airline tickets is now. Yes. Okay? Oh, yeah. Don't wait. <laughs> it's not going to get wait. cheaper this summer. Right. That's all for today's episode of the Executives Exchange, sponsored by Shure Incorporated. Thanks for listening. If you have Chicago speakers you think we should cover, please send us an email at media at executivesclub.org. The Executives Exchange is a production of the Executives Club of Chicago. Audio equipment for the Executives Club podcast is provided by Shure. Whether you're making a point or making history, Shure lets you sound extraordinary. It's written by me, Margaret Mueller, produced by Eva Pinar. Research and support from the staff of the Executives Club of Chicago. 
We appreciate you subscribing and reviewing the show from wherever you listen. Feel free to follow the club on Twitter at Exec Club and on LinkedIn. If you have more questions or are interested about becoming a member at the Executives Club of Chicago, check us out on the web at executivesclub.org.